this week's edition of Debriefing the Law. I am Joel Oster. I'm Chris Marone. Chris, we are right in the middle of a football playoff season, probably Absolutely. one of the best times of the year. And it, it dawned on me watching last week's playoff games because my, my son came over to watch the games with me, and we have a lot of fun time uh, watching football. I saw a little bit of myself in him and how he rooted Aww. for the teams. And it wasn't pretty. Chris, I, I am now mild. I've, I've mellowed out over the years being a Nebraska yep. fan for, you know, all of my life, especially mm -hmm. the last quarter century, really kind of teaches you to accept losing at a certain level. So it no longer impacts me. Chris, I used to be the worst kind of fan. I mean, the worst kind of fan. I, I would, my team lost. I couldn't even operate the next week. I, I was shut down. I was, I, I was, I had, I should, you were that guy. Uh, you were just the guy at work that was like, I hate my life. I hate everything. It was miserable. And so my mother-in-law yeah. actually bought for me a, a referee doll where the arms detach, the legs detach, the head detaches. So if the referee makes a bad call, I can dismember this referee doll and <laughs> throw it around. That's the kind Redirect. of fan I was. And I saw Redirect. a lot of that in my son. And Chris, it kind of, there was also a news item this last week that kind of made me think, what kind of fan are you? And is it healthy? So a couple stories that came out this last week, I don't know if you caught them. One was in Detroit where Matthew Stafford's wife was there in attendance with her family. They have to understand uh -huh. Matthew Stafford used to play quarterback for the Detroit Lions. And now for he's years, yeah, mid years, years, right? Uh, never won a yeah. single playoff game there, but he was beloved by the, the fan base, uh, him and his wife and, and kids. Mm -hmm. He then goes to the Rams, the Los Angeles Rams. And by the way, the Los Angeles Rams quarterback, Jared Goff, then goes to Detroit. So Detroit. they just swap their yeah. quarterbacks. So the um, so Kelly Stafford, who is Matt Stafford's wife, and her young mm -hmm. kids were there on the field. Chris, the fan base booed the kids and the kids the started crying. Toughen up kids. <laughs> Toughen up kids. Toughen up kids. Oh my God. Look, it's look, I, there, and we, we've seen a couple of instances of this around, right? We, you and I talked offline about the Jerry Krause incident in Chicago when they booed him and his, his widow was there and, yeah, we, we've seen some other things where people have... Well, pause on that. You ran right over that. They booed him when his widow was... He yeah. died of, I believe, yeah. cancer even. I mean, a horrible death. And, yeah, yeah, and yeah. he's the one who kind of ran out Michael Jordan, so the fan base doesn't like mm -hmm. Jerry Krause. They're on, right. That's been many, many years ago. I mean, Michael Jordan left basketball right. a long time ago, right? The well, fan the base still the has fans. not gotten over it, and they booed his no. widow. Well, what has the fan base done since Michael Jordan has left Chicago? Like, let's be honest, but also it's, it, yeah. What kind of fan are you? Do you boo Matthew Stafford's wife and kids? Yeah. You're kind of a jerk. Like <laughs> they're kids. You make them cry, but you boo Jerry Krause's widow. You're a bigger jerk. You set fire to the city of Philadelphia. When you win a super bowl, kind of a bigger jerk. We're not even going to talk about the Oakland fans that, you know, the black hole that was the Oakland end zone for m at least most of my childhood right. into my adolescence, into my early twenties where, you know, they would, they would scream at you. I went to a Chicago Cubs game when I was working in Chicago and I had just gotten out of the office and, you know, I, I still had my shirt on my tie I had my sleeves rolled up and I walked in and the ticket taker cut my tie off <laughs> really? because they're a blue collar team and you don't wear ties at Wrigley field. So, I mean, it, <laughs> The culture of the fandom is going to play into it. Um, 
you know, Stafford being in Detroit for as many years as he did, people think they can come back and they're still going to be beloved. Man, you left Detroit and then you won a Super Bowl in your first year. That, and that so Detroit stung. fans were like, what, like, what, what the hell, man? Why can't Matthew Stafford, you couldn't lead us to a Super Bowl, but you go to LA and then all of a sudden you're a Super Bowl caliber quarterback. Like, mm, I'm, I'm, that hurts. I'm a huge KU Jayhawks fan. I, I graduated from KU law school and, and so I was a <clears> big <throat> KU basketball, basketball fan, rock yeah. chalk Jayhawk. So they, they, um, um, Roy Williams was our coach. He coached us for about 14, 15 years. We loved mm-hmm. Roy. I mean, he was an amazing coach. Well, he'd left KU to go coach his alma mater, the North Carolina, um, whatever they're called uh, Tar, Heels. <laughs> Tar Heels. And, and it, look he went to his alma mater okay i get that but man did it yeah. crush me i mean yeah i want the yeah. best for him and good for you you're going back to your home base it's kind of nice but then mm-hmm. he went and won a national title for carolina chris that yeah. did hurt that, that was that a hurt. special hurt. kind of deep. hurt right that that is a that is a first love cheated on you kind of hurt <laughs> that is that is being dumped on prom kind of so, hurt. Chris, that is that is deep, deep hurt. What kind of fan are you? So I remember in Kansas City, uh, I think it was 1993, we made it to the playoffs, mm-hmm. and, and Marty Schottenheimer was our coach. And we okay. actually got home field advantage throughout the entire postseason. I think we had a 13-3 and record. Amazing season. Yeah, I love First that. First round of the playoffs, we are playing, I believe it was the Indianapolis Colts, and our mm-hmm. kicker, field goal kicker, Lynn Elliott, yeah. was horrendous. And I mean, this is back when the extra point was kicked from the, the two-yard line, and they were as <laughs> gimme as you can get, right? Uh, yeah, and yeah, he yeah. missed two days. extra points and then also missed, I believe, a couple field goals. He was disastrous. Yeah, He was being hung in people's yards and effigy all throughout the town. Not my yard, Absolutely. but is that carrying a bit too far to hang someone in effigy in your front lawn? So, Chris, I have a list here. I'm just yeah. curious. Have you done these things? What kind of fan Ooh. are you? All right. Have you yelled at your TV? Absolutely. I yelled at my TV, not just for pure fandom, but yeah. Okay. Oh, so that, that's okay. That's then. easy. That's an easy one. All right. Yeah. Have you ever yelled death threats to those on TV? Ooh. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. The referee or the other team or your team? Yes, <laughs> all three. I, I got to admit, all three. I got to admit, I, 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 um, I have cut a lot of people when, when one of our, let's just say our, our tackle, our right tackle, jumps off sides mm-hmm. for the umpteenth, or not jumps, false starts yeah. for the umpteenth time. It's like cut yep. the guy already. I don't care if he has a family yeah. and mouse to feed. Cut him, get him off of the That's team. Right. But all right, right, you've done that. I look, man. The Niners weren't exactly top tier in the two thousands in the early two thousand. You know. I, and yeah, there were some rough years. All right, all right. There were some rough years there, and and I'm not proud. How about this one? You you wear your team collars on the Friday before the game. I'm not talking about game day, but do you mm-hmm. wear your team collars on the Friday before the game day? Absolutely. I have a Niners jacket here in my office. Okay, like let's go. All right. So yeah, that's a different level. Now that I don't know, yeah. hanging the your the your, the team in effigy in your front lawn versus wearing team collars no. is different. Going to be it's going to be a sliding scale here at fandom. Uh, right, right. How about this? I got a team. I got a team flag here in my office as well. So I'm I'm rocking the flag year. I saw some. I have a Giants flag up right now and a Diamondbacks flag okay. up right that's, now, and it's not even baseball. It's a certain level of fanaticism. How about this? Yeah. Do you prepare special food consistent with oh, the yes. game? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> 
absolutely yes of course i man i one thing i think that kind of gets downplayed in the baseball fandom and and you know that i'm a giant baseball fan is our superstitions baseball is a very superstitious sport we have 160 plus games we got to figure out a way to get an edge there so yeah during baseball season i definitely prepare the same meal every time okay. before big games and i have a whole process all right so we, we played the philadelphia eagles last year in the super bowl so yeah we had we had um fried um bald eagles it was very tasty very good oh delicious that. very american Tastes like chicken it is. Mm -hmm. all right how about this if your team loses does it send you into a stupor in other words um can you really are, are you as good at work are you are you pretty much useless it depends on the game right if it's a clutch game like NFC championship game last year. Yeah, I was pretty useless. Pretty useless that Monday morning. Yeah, I I'm um, to, I cannot watch TV. Yeah. I can, I won't read any articles. Yeah. I have a couple of favorite podcasts I like to listen to, of course, besides this one. And I won't even listen to that podcast that next week after the Chiefs lose. Nope. I, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear discussion about the Chiefs losing. I know why they lost. I watched the game. Why relive it? I just I can't bring myself yep. to do it. And so ESPN is not turned on the week after, or at least a couple of days until I know they're done talking about it. I don't want to relive that Chiefs loss. So, all right, different levels of fandom. Uh, yeah. And so, um, and by the way, you know, fan, if you are a sports fan, fan is short for fanatical. So it kind of makes sense that we would do some crazy yep. things. Yeah. Speaking of crazy things, we have a lot to talk about this week in the world of law before we get to the real topic we want to talk about, which is football. Uh, but sure. first, we got to do some legal discussion. A class action was brought by disgruntled fans and also, you know, uh, bars and restaurants, those that like to, yep. to, to showcase these games, and claiming that they are, because of this exclusive contract that the NFL signed with YouTube TV, it artificially raised the prices. Chris, is this a good – so, by the way, this actually is now going to trial. It survived a summary judgment motion, a motion to yep. dismiss. This is now going to trial here. This, uh, I believe two weeks after the Super Bowl is when the trial is going to begin. <laughs> is this a Shocking. good use of our antitrust laws? I know we have these antitrust laws that, yeah. want, that wants to prevent mergers and acquisitions, things that are – that might suppress competition, artificially raise prices by, you know, mm -hmm. but sometimes yeah, yeah. that's also called business. And here, this is a an exclusive rights contract, but exclusive rights contracts are not new to the to our, our economy. Mm -hmm. Is this a good use of our antitrust laws to break up this agreement? Absolutely. I think antitrust is going to be one of those fields that becomes more and more popular in the future as companies get larger and larger and you know, I'm, I'm waiting for the day that we we sue the Los Angeles Dodgers for antitrust violations, but that's going to be a whole a whole different situation. You know what? My mind is now working. All right, who can I? I you know what? I'm going to be my own client. I'm suing them because the Royals. We are yeah. being hurt. We haven't had. We never had a shot at Otani, but but whatever. It doesn't matter if you actually realistically had a shot. They're overinflating the price of baseball players now with Shohei Otani being worth a billion dollars. There you go. Like. I mean, but I think this is a this is a solid use of um, antitrust laws. One, we need to push the boundaries and see what the antitrust laws, how far they can reach and what they can do. And two, like it's it's BS. Like it's absolute BS that NFL Sunday Ticket leaves Directv, which I I wasn't or I wasn't a big fan of NFL Sunday Ticket. I never purchased it, but my father in law did, and he really enjoyed it. And I moving the NFL which we love 
away from um, a simple way to watch it. I was livid, speaking of fandom and being angry, I was livid last week that I had to sign up for Peacock to watch the Chiefs game. Yes. Why? Why did I have to sign up for Peacock to watch the Chiefs game, put the damn Chiefs game on cable TV like every time else since the beginning of Now, time. what I didn't like about that Chiefs game is that they, they were just testing that out to see, okay, right. how crazy are our fans? Will they pay for this? Because I know and that was yes. only $6, and you can say, hey, $6 pay-per-view. That's not the point. It's the principle of the no. thing. Once they can, ex- right. Once this works, pretty soon every game is going to be pay-per-view. You know that's where they want to go in the future. Here, home of the Arizona Cardinals, home of the one in sixteen or four in twelve or whatever the Arizona Cardinals record was this year, as abysmal as it was, tickets were still two two hundred and fifty dollars a seat. Wow, they were not cheap tickets. They were not like seven. Well, there were seventy dollars tickets, but you're all the way up in the back and you can't really see anything and it looks stupid. I, the money grab, that is the NFL. Yes. The apps, jerseys are $85, $90. Right. If you want, like, once you go to the game, the concession, like, you, NFL, and this, is, this isn't this is a, a slide on anything or anyone, NFL is a blue-collar sport. It It is an every-person sport. It is not for the rich and famous. And I don't care, you know, there's always been the box seats, and there's always been the owner's suites, and there's always been a spot for people who wanted the extravagance of the NFL. But I have so many amazing memories growing up very poor of Sunday football, friends coming over, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, glasses of water, and watching the 49ers play when I was a kid. It might be a thing of the past. They might be going to pay-per-view. You got to buy a ticket now to watch your NFL team on your own TV. I, I do fear that's where that's going. This is a test. And you know what? Right. It worked. People paid the money. I, Absolutely. I think people they paid the money. The stats might be skewed a little bit, but I am worried if the NFL sniffs that this might be a moneymaker, they're, they're yeah. going to do more of if, it. If they win, if they win the suit, right? If they win the NFL, the NFL ticket suit with YouTube, if they win that, they are definitely moving to a full-on right. pay-per-view NFL network only. And stop this. It's only $6. No, it was a test. Once they, it's no. proven to be successful, it's not going to be $6 next time. It's going to no, be it's 12 not. and then it's going to be 50 and then it's going to be 100 Do you know how much right. boxing matches cost now to watch those online or in some yeah, kind of hundreds. pay-per-view situation? That's yeah, exactly where it's going. Same thing with, um, what is it, UFC. Also, um, people are going to pay. That's and that's and this is my argument at what point is there enough money in your business? What point does it move from and this is why I think we should have these antitrust discussions because there's there's a level of capitalism and competition. Right? That's what capitalism feeds growth, it feeds innovation, it feeds the ability to 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 um to allow the market, the free market to determine who's the best and who isn't. When you become a, a, essentially a superpower like the NFL is or the NBA or MLB, and you move all of your assets into one location and you block anyone else from being able to compete with you, 
you've now created antitrust issues. Sometimes antitrust doesn't make sense. Like I, I don't. What's the difference between the anti-competitive agreement and right. just a simple strategic business agreement? For for example, think right. about your airlines. You have United, you mm -hmm. have American, you have Southwest. Um, well, there was another airline out there that wanted to merge to be one of the big four: uh, JetBlue and yeah. and Spirit. Sprint. Sprint or yeah, Sprint yeah, yeah. Or Spirit. Ah, I know one of the two. I, I, it might be Spirit. Uh, they uh, they merged and the they were sued mm -hmm. by the DOJ and a trial court recently broke it up, and, yeah. and now Spirit is going into bankruptcy. Uh, if, if they had merged, they would not have been one of the bigger uh, companies out there. They wouldn't have even yeah. cracked the top four. So not even. is that really a, a big behemoth you have to break up? It's not Ma Bell. Mm -hmm. Why, if they just want right. to compete with the big four, it, don't you, we like competition? Isn't that yeah. better? But nonetheless, the well, judge broke it up under the antitrust laws. And now I believe spirit is going to go bankrupt. But, I, and this is where I think a lot of government lobbyists come into play, right? Because T-Mobile bought Sprint. Yes. Right. And, you know, AOL Time Warner, they were able to merge HBO and, and a ton of other smaller studios were allowed to merge to create HBO max, which is HBO and it's TNT and AMC and discovery. So we're, we're, it's, it's weird how we pick these winners. Some mergers are allowed and some, a yeah. single judge can break up and it, that absolutely. Is, yeah. And we're actually going to get to that here in a little bit. I think it's going to play into our, our Supreme court update. We're going to talk about the Chevron, deference mm -hmm. that is now under attack at the supreme court is that good or bad we are getting there in just a bit but first we got to deal with some real legal news before we get to the supreme court news uh, a guy sued 27 women for defamation did you hear about this case chris you probably should have i have never well yeah absolutely <laughs> i heard about this case because I'm I'm sitting in my office hearing about this case, mocking this jabroni absolutely incessantly. So here's what happened. Like, a Chicago man sued 27 women seeking $75 million because apparently there's a dating website out there called Are We Dating the Same Guy? I believe it's on Facebook. Yeah. And so yeah, yeah. it's a members only. So, Chris, they wouldn't allow you in yep. it. They wouldn't allow me in it. But a bunch of women are on yep. the site. By the way, that sounds okay. really sexist, what I just said, but whatever. Uh, and, and so these women are on this site, and they post pictures of guys slash, slash douchebags they have dated that they did not like. Mm -hmm. And then other women get to join in and say, yeah, I dated that guy, and he's really much a putz. And so uh, this guy, who I believe his name is Nico De D'Ambrigio, I butchered his name, 32 years of age. And, uh, and so several women described him as being clingy i don't know if that's good mm -hmm. or if that's bad it's been several years since i've been in the dating game uh but he was the apparently it's not a good thing when you're trying when you're being described as clingy and so he sued <laughs> those now come on chris if 27 women describe you as clingy maybe they're onto something i don't know also good on you for dating 27 women <laughs> maybe that bro like Look, I cannot think of a more entitled thing to do than to sue people that you used to date because they trash talk you. Right. Do, look, let's talk about defamation, right? You have to have damages. You have to prove that you were made lesser in the eyes of a community. Obviously, this was communicated to a third party. 
you're a douchebag, bro. <laughs> yeah, come come at me. Come and sue me as Man, well. Wouldn't you love I those? Care. I would love to watch that trial. I hope this goes to trial because you know it's, one of the the um, <clears throat> the defenses to defamation truth. is truth. And so absolute truth, truth put up testimony as to his dating style and, and right. once you had a bunch of jurors that are women they go yeah that's clingy dude no you, you gotta right. look in the mirror you are a clingy person in your Man. relationships pick that jury <laughs> let's 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 voir dire that one uh i only want uh single white males over the age of 30 that still live with their parents that's a pretty narrow jury pool <laughs> right there like that's some bats and wheeler issues like right off like why did you excuse juror number five well sir she's an attractive latina female and she looks a little spicy and i think she's gonna think my guy's clingy <laughs> oh my goodness okay yes you want karen on that jury no yeah no doubt right. about that uh and, and so um uh yeah i, I know court 75 million i know 75 million that, that's a lot of money 20 you know what you can describe me as clingy for a lot less than that and i'll be happy 25 mil i'm good call me clingy but th this is also my problem with 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 this case there's i mean i have a lot of problems with this case it's absolutely a waste of everybody's time energy and effort but explain to me nico d'angelo how were you damaged for 75 million dollars <laughs> like this is not a punitive thing you can't get punitive damages at this point Right, you have to prove actual damages. So explain to me, please, because I really don't, and I'm not trying to be a jerk at this point. I really don't understand how women on a website damaged you for seventy-five million dollars. Yeah, he's not that. Uh, what, what kind of people were he dating? Was he losing out on some some supermodels? Like Kadar? Is this some Kardashian nonsense? Right. I mean, yeah. Uh, Tom Brady's like, um, Giselle. I mean, I guess it was Giselle yeah. went on the record saying, "Yeah, I, I didn't date him because I I read this." Okay, fifty million for that okay. loss. I think. Okay. <laughs> but I'm thinking, and that's not necessarily. Like, look, dude. I it, and I'm practical. I'm I'm a, I'm absolutely practical. I looked at his picture. Dude's not dating seventy five million caliber. Women. <laughs> that's <a> horrible. <laughs> it. But it's it's the re it's it's the re and it's the reality. He's not running in those circles, right? Like, look at Pete Davidson. Pete Davidson is one of the ugliest men on the face of the planet. <laughs> but he runs in those circles where he has access to um, females that have access to money. So I could understand if a bunch of women got together and said Pete Davidson is an absolute you know jerk. And he could lose business, and he could lose gigs, and he could, and then then we can have defamation, right? We we can have do it. We can fight with you know putting yourself out there as a celebrity, but random dude that went on twenty seven dates sounds like a a rom com, <laughs> and now he's gonna like this is gonna oh, be oh that would be a great movie, right? And it and and so. Seventy-five million. Oh, I, Chris, I'm going to disagree with what you just said when you're talking about this is a waste of, of, of legal courtroom time and expenses. No, courtroom TV cut with the murder trials. Okay, forget the Donald yeah, Trump yeah. cases. I want more coverage. Yeah. Murdoch, no more Murdoch. I want more coverage of this case. If this one goes oh to, to trial, please show this. I want to see those witnesses on the stand. Oh, we're going. Yeah, we're going. We're gonna we're gonna sit there and we're gonna have our mics out and we're gonna be in the back row of the courtroom just talking to each other like this, like it's a like it's a golf game. Oh, that's a bold move, Joel. He's coming out with the. Uh, 
I could pull any woman I wanted defense. This is this. Let's see where this is. Oh, let's see how this plays out for him. Stop me if you've heard this one before, but also in legal news, Donald Trump was mm-hmm. in court this last week. <laughs> Second verse, same as the first. Yes, I, I got to tell you, Donald Trump is a genius. He is a freaking genius. So he is, I mean, every week now until he's, if, if he is the next president, he will be in court. Uh, and so um, uh, he is now facing a civil trial brought by Gene Carroll. If you don't remember, Gene Carroll's the one who alleged that Donald Trump sexually assaulted her in a in a dressing room and at an apartment store uh mm-hmm. a department store apartment store i don't know if you buy apartments at an apartment store department store and, mm-hmm. and so she won that case now a lot of people have questions about that case uh number one was it politically charged you're suing donald trump this is a civil case you only need to get 51 percent of the jurors to side with you and you are going to win but nonetheless a jury sided with her in that case and said that donald trump did uh sexually assault her and so donald trump afterwards made some comments like no i didn't do it Okay, here's a problem, Donald. Now that is also defamation. At least that's the premise of a good defamation yep. case. That and is, so absolutely. she now sued Donald Trump for defamation for saying he didn't do it. So by the way, you can say you didn't do it in court. That's going to be fully protected speech. But absolutely. if you are outside of court talking to the press, now that might be defamation. And so they're going back to trial over whether or not Donald Trump defamed Gene Carroll by saying he didn't do it. Now, what was interesting this week is Donald Trump's legal team brought in an expert witness. And the expert witness's Ooh. testimony basically was this. It's Donald Trump. No, no. His followers didn't believe Gene Carroll in the first place. So now him saying he didn't do it, that did not all of a sudden change what his followers thought. If you did not like Donald Trump, then... Yeah, you know, you're not going to believe a single word that Donald Trump says. Very interesting position from this expert witness. Very, so the point is, is there anyone in the middle? Who are these three people in the middle who either you love him or you hate him and think he's a big liar? Is there anyone in America in the middle? No. No, there's nobody in the middle on Donald Trump. That is going to be but what also, Donald Trump's defense is going to be in this case. That's a that's a weird legal theory to to my defense is that I'm a giant asshole. <laughs> that, that's, that's my that's defense. defense. That's and and I and in no matter anything I say or anything that I do or anything that I want to say or anything that I put out there, I'm just a I'm just a giant jerk. <laughs> right. And I can just say whatever I want because people are either going to hate me or love me and I should have no repercussion for my actions whatsoever because I've cultivated this persona for the last 40 years and you should just know that this is who I am. Like what what <laughs> Bold move, man. Bold move. Donald has to be careful. He's going to appear on the Are We Dating the Same Guy Facebook page. People are going to start talking he really about is. him. really is. 27 women are going to say that Donald Trump is, a, is clingy. <laughs> yeah, no, by the way. Hundreds of women have said Donald Trump is other things. In, in reality, uh, this is a brilliant move by Donald Trump. I think he intentionally goaded this defamation lawsuit. I, I think that's his campaign strategy from here until... The, oh, the, as many, the election as many charges he can get yeah because now he's in the news there is no such thing as bad news and a lot of people do view these as being kind of ridiculous lawsuits uh, i know that if you're hard on one side or hard on the other your mind's kind of made up but i think a lot of people in the middle view these as being ridiculous and and so um there's no such thing as, as bad press and if he can present these as being ridiculous this is free free press for him he is in the news every single 
12 million dollars yeah. by the way that's the expert said that Dan, donald trump is damaged to the or gene carroll's damaged to the tune of 12 million dollars mm-hmm. he couldn't buy this kind of publicity for 12 oh, million dollars absolutely well i mean it, it it and you know my feelings on this man but it is absolute genius it is and it it hurts to say but absolute like he is getting he he is the biggest recipient of welfare of anyone else on the face of the planet so i never want to hear him rally against welfare again because legitimately the states of new york georgia the district of columbia and 19 other courts that he's being sued in right now are footing the bill for his marketing yes you're right the the american taxpayer is fronting all of the marketing for Donald Trump's presidential campaign. It is genius. You think, it is absolutely genius. Yeah, I assume you're talking about this in, in truth, but I actually heard a stat this yeah. week that, that vouches for what you, you're saying. Uh, yeah. Remember there was a candidate who was really close to Donald Trump, uh, governor of, of Florida, maybe for the Ronald DeSantis. Yep. And, and so when he decided to enter the race, and right before he decided to enter the race, the polling showed him right neck and neck with Donald Trump. I mean, Donald Trump still had the lead, but we're talking yeah, – yeah. 30 to 25 percent i mean it was close it was a close contest between donald trump and and ron DeSantis. and then what happened absolutely all of these indictments came out against donald trump boom Mm -hmm. donald trump now just soared i mean he he has not looked back since then these trials these indictments catapulted him to the front with a huge lead and it's not just in the republican primary the national polls as well now show donald trump leading joseph biden this was a brilliant strategy move by the Repu- by Donald Trump to be indicted. I don't know how he managed to do that. Right. Or the Democrats. So who, are the Democrats just playing a brilliant strategy here? And now they're going to actually have the last laugh. They're just waiting until the real election time before they make their move. Or did they did, did they just they go too far? They, they overplayed their hand. Now, I, I've said this once. I'll say it a thousand times. The only way Joe Biden wins re-election is if Donald Trump runs against him. That's the only way. I, D- Donald Trump, once the primaries are done, and the look at look at look at the Iowa caucus, right? Iowa caucus, Trump won by twenty five percent or more. Right. Actually, I think his close. I think he had like fifty, and then his closest person was like twenty three. So he won by twenty seven percent. Landslide victory, right? right? What were the numbers? What were the actual numbers of people? Who I voted? heard the numbers were way down because if you remember, the weather was freaking cold, frigid cold. Mm-hmm. And, and also I was watching the news and they announced that Donald Trump yep. had won before the first vote was even cast. And so I do think exactly. if you're going to vote for Nikki Haley, if you're going to vote for Ron DeSantis, you might not have been inclined to go vote knowing it's a lost cause. So I, the numbers were right. definitely suppressed quite a bit as far as a voter right. turnout. 752,000 registered Republicans in the Iowa caucus for 2024. Okay. 110,000 showed up. All right. So you're at like 15% of voters showing up. I think once you get to a primary situation, more of that 750,000 are going to show up. Yes. Even if, even if, even if just half show up, right? Even if we less than half, let's make it an even round number. Let's say that 300,000 show up, 300,000 show up. Donald Trump only won 55,000 votes. So he's going to need to capture 250,000 votes of 
you know, it, Republicans. We're not talking about the votes, yeah. votes that are made up either. I mean, that's a whole other issue we can talk about. Hey, uh, no, all those fake voters for exactly. Trump. Vote for me if you're dead. <laughs> so, hey, uh, we're we're gonna be covering the elections. It's gonna be very fast oh, over the next year. I'm actually kind of excited insane. about doing this podcast well, during this election because there's gonna be a lot to talk about. I've never seen an mm-hmm. election where uh, a corpse was on one side. But Chris, before we get to our, our next know, topic, the Republicans got to find somebody. I do got to really get to the next topic. I do want to just we put do. the betting odds out there on who do you think is going to be the Democratic nominee. Do you think it's going to be Joseph Biden or absolutely Michelle Obama? No, Michelle Obama's not. She's got to run. She's, She's already run. running right now. There's. If Michelle Obama was going to run, she would have launched a more comprehensive campaign. They're waiting until Joseph Biden kicks the can, which, by the way, he's close to doing. Which, look, I'm not saying that that's a possibility that when when president biden uh exits this mortal coil that michelle obama could run i'm telling you right now that for 2024 michelle obama's not if if, if i were running the democratic party and by the way if you offer me that position i would take it uh but (laughs) that'd be a lot of fun wouldn't it um if i had a choice Mm. between michelle obama and kamala harris it's a no-brainer you're not going with you're going with Michelle Obama ten times out of ten. They're not even Fair. close to being the same candidate. Well, yeah, I mean that's. I, I don't think anybody would find that opinion controversial or I mean, like, at disagree. least if you voted for Michelle Obama. And again, this is just how I'm thinking the Democrats would think, and maybe the independent mm-hmm. voter that puts back in the White House Obama. And class and, and they people like Obama. You know, he was a two time president. I know a lot of people don't yep. like him, but yep. you know, uh when he committed his criminal acts, he knew to do it in secret where it wasn't out there for everybody. but also I'm, I'm just joking. Like every other president known to man. One. one of them, if he played his hands out there up front and everyone knew exactly what he was doing. Hey, let's get to the, the big case. I'm mean, the one that actually I think it's gonna be pre- Huge precedent-setting case. I mean, this is going to be rough. To this get into is the too, yeah. Chevron deference case before the U.S. Supreme Court. And Chris, when people talk about the deep state, oh, the deep state in D.C. We are run by the deep state. I don't think the vast majority of Americans, including me, really understands what that phrase means. The deep state. Well. In thinking about that in terms of the Chevron deference cases before the U.S. Supreme Court right now, Mm -hmm. I think I have an idea. The deep state refers to our bureaucracy. It's often referred to as the fourth branch of government. These governmental agencies that pretty much run the government. And the thought is that these government agencies have too much power to control your lives. And we kind of believe in freedom as a general concept. And if there's going to be some governmental actor restraining your freedom well we had to have voted on that as a public because we are democracy we like to vote things Mm. but these agencies they kind of do things without votes and so is that really constitutional can an agency come in and tell you chris how you can live your life can they dictate control your life you might say who voted you into office good question i asked that with every interaction with the police. No one voted them into office. And so that is the issue here, is what kind of power should these agencies have over your life? Now, before we get to the facts of this case, which really aren't that interesting, but it dawned on me, this goes way back. I think this controversy as to the deep state 
goes back to the uh, the Peloponnesian War. We're talking 400 wow. BC, Athens v. Sparta, where the issue was Spartans believed in pure democracy. Let's take a vote. What does 51% of the people say? That's what we are going to do. The Spartans believed, or the Athenians believed that. The Spartans believed in, no, let's just simply have some philosopher kings that, that kind of make wise decisions because sometimes people are idiots. And so let's allow these philosopher kings to, all, it's called an oligarchy, let's just let them make decisions for us because they know better. Chris, that's the same issue we have here. Should we give deference to these agencies because they know better. Well, the actual issue in this case, and by the way, this is going to apply to vaccines. This is going to apply to yep. I mean, pretty much anything you can think of. Uh, there's, a, there's an agency regulation that's going to control your life on that matter. Specifically in this case, we're dealing with the open sea here. So uh, uh, there is a rule that was passed by Weird. the National Marine Fisheries Service. I have no idea what that is, but it requires... Nope the herring industry to bear the cost of observers on fishing boats. So there's a thought of, Hey, if we're going to be, you know, fishing for herring out there in the open seas, we want to monitor that. So by the way, you got to put these monitoring devices on your boats. If you want to go out there and fish for herring, you might be thinking, okay, "Okay, well, that's going to cost us a lot of money. Why do I have to do that? The agency said, because we said so. Okay. Who died to made you king? That, that that's the issue. That's the thought there. So it's going to the U.S. Supreme Court. Should we give these agencies deference in how they create rules and regulations? Chris, this is monumental. This is huge. Right. And uh, let's go back to, I believe, 1984. And there's a case called Chevron v. Natural Resources Defense Council. And in that case, the Supreme Court rule which I've heard is a very unremarkable decision, but since it's become a remarkable decision that right. you give the, the court should give deference to agencies decisions. If, if they're interpreting a vague statute in, in practice, it really became, let's just give deference to agencies decisions, pretty much carte blanche, but that's the issue. Any thoughts on this case? So there, there are times when we elect a body of people, Congress, Senate, president, and they appoint experts into positions in these agencies um, that make these rules. Now, do I think that the response is because I said so is the correct response when someone tries to challenge one of the rules? Not at all. Not even a little bit. I think that the agency has to be able to defend their position like any other time. Like when I'm trying to wrestle the remote away from my wife to change it to football, I have to defend my position rather than, well, I'm the one who pays for the cable, and I'm the one who pays for the house. Right, but that's, but, that's not going to get me anywhere. But when they defend but, their position, should they be given I – mean, what level of deference should you give them? Uh, a lot of people are going to say, look, yeah, if it's reasonable, that that's fine, but we're going to let mm-hmm. a court decide that. Uh, or should it be, no, you know what, I don't really understand it, but you guys are the experts, so we're just going to give deference to what you say. You know, What's the level of deference you should give these agencies when it is challenged in court? Well, that's that's the point of the court to decide, right? I Do I think we should give them deference? Yeah, honestly, yeah, I do. Because these are going to be made up of experts that most of these agency heads, right, are political positions. And 
they're going to get changed and, and everything's going to move out and move in and, and move around. Well, let's there give an actual a, example. There's not a clear cut. Let's example. give an actual there's example. There's no clear cut way. Uh, vaccines. Go. So we have a national pandemic yeah. out there and you must now mm-hmm. get this shot if you want to have a job. If you want to participate in the economy, you got to get the shot. Where's the law that on that? That was not a government there, there is, mandate. I'm just saying, but that wasn't no, no, a government I'm, I'm mandate. Crea- I'm creating this. I'm just this right now. Oh, you're yeah, creating a hypothetical. Uh, and and okay. so, um, uh, you know, there's an agency out there, right, that's going to say, look, we're, we're mm-hmm. in charge of health and welfare and then these communicable diseases. So, yeah, you can't be out there working in the public unless you get this shot. Okay. So they know better, theoretically. Right. Uh, should but they be allowed to tell you, Chris, Marone, you guys stay in your house until you get the shot? Are we going to give deference to them? If it goes to court, yes. what level of yes. deference? The court is going to go in there and weigh personal freedom against the deference. I think part of the part of the issue that I have with this case is that they chose the most obscure thing humanly right. possible. So that way they can now apply it to vaccines, right? They they picked herring, which you can pull everyone around you. And if you can show me and tell me what a herring tastes like <laughs> and looks like, then we can have tastes this conversation. Like it, but random group, random lobbyist group out there picked the most obscure thing. Okay, you have to put a tracking device that tracks herring on your ship. You have to bear the cost and the Food and Drug Administration or the Marine Drug Administration or the Marine Corps of the United States, whatever, told you you had to do this and said do it because I said so. Yeah, that's an asinine rule. But what we're trying to do here, what this case is trying to do is undermine the Chevron doctrine so that way they can apply it to things like vaccines. Or they can apply it to things like abortion, or they can apply it to things like food and drug administration. They're not trying to solve this herring problem. Oil, even. I mean, yeah. I mean, Oil, basically, whatever. agencies control anything. anything and everything in, in our lives. So they want to they want to dismantle the entire system because this one little weird obscure rule didn't make Chris, sense. Here's another thing. So I, we want to throw everything here's out. Here's another thing I play, Chris, and that is you mentioned a little obscure rule. And yeah, there's a lot of different things in our society now that are governed by rules. And do we really trust Congress to act in the best interest of all of these various things? Congress sometimes can't do anything. I mean, they're, 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 they're so, I, I don't like trust. I don't trust Congress. I don't like them. All right. kinds of pork that goes into the passing of these laws and whatnot. Do you really want Congress so running? So that's the argument that would say, let, let's let these agencies who have experience in this area mm-hmm. make rules. So the issue is going to be recognizing that what's the proper right. level of deference to be given them. And it, it's not going to be, we're going to throw out the Chevron defense in its entirety. At least I don't oh, think it so. probably. I think they're totally going to – I think that Gorsuch hates – I mean, Gorsuch being an originalist and Kavanaugh being an originalist, I think they hate the Chevron doctrine. By the way – I think they loathe uh, it. By the way, uh, Gorsuch so is related to one of my co-counsels on a case that I had, and so uh, oh, cool. I, I kind of knew about Gorsuch before he was appointed. And, and, and my co-counsel's aunt and Gorsuch's mother – served on the EPA and she was maybe unceremoniously fired in 1984, somewhere around that time period. Mm-hmm. And so Gorsuch is mm. a real little kid had a distaste mm. for agencies. Is that going to play into his decisions here? Is that why he's known as being a big anti-supporter of the Chevron deference? Maybe. I don't know. But, but I think that's, that's kind of the point is in my opinion, is that these cases are being brought to the Supreme court to dismantle the deep state different part not just the deep state just dismantle dismantle any sort of normality within the united states you, you can have the chevron 
you could you could say this herring rule, this absolute herring rule is idiotic, and the the organization, the marine psychology psychosomatic agency, overstepped their bounds. You can, as a Supreme Court, you can say, you know what, they didn't meet a standard, and we're creating a new standard, right? The new standard is we're going to give deference to the the agencies, um, but you're going to have to be able to defend blah 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 blah, right? You can you can so, do that. But they're not. They're going to say the Chevron defense is idiotic, and we shouldn't have this. So we're going to go ahead and just go so during oral argument this week. Uh, Gorsuch actually, and Gorsuch is not a, fav- a fan of Chevron defense, but also this might nope. surprise a lot of people who think of Gorsuch as some crazy radical conservative. He is not your traditional conservative when no, it comes to immigration. He is very much as a soft or, heart. Uh, Native American. Yes, he very much is a soft heart. And he brought up, so look, a lot of times this, this deep state, if you will, he didn't say deep state, but this, this agency's decision, giving them deference really hurts the little guy. In fact, he said, I don't really care about big business. They can, can, they can take care of themselves, right? It's the little guy. Mm-hmm. So here, you know, obviously you can see how it might play out in immigration when you have some certain, rule, certain rules that keep out um, – um, you know, immigrants. But the other thought is like in, in the example here, this case, the big fisheries. Okay. That that's one group, but what if just your local small boat now is required to have all these burdensome technology and, and tracking you know, devices right. on their little tiny mom and pa ship. Now they can't actually fish and, and, and go for herring. So it's only now it's allowing the big farmer, the big fisherman that so is this a really a rule set in place to, to benefit the big corporate America at the expense of the little guy? Absolutely. No. And that's a, that's a fabulous defense, but that's the problem with the rule, not the Chevron doctrine. And so by saying we should do away with the Chevron doctrine, you're going a little bit too far. You can rule the Supreme court can rule on this and go, no, the Chevron doctrine gives the proper deference here. The court misinterpreted the Chevron doctrine and it became overburdensome for blah, 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 blah. Right. But that's not what's being asked. What's being asked is to overturn the Chevron doctrine so that way we no longer give deference to any government Well, agency. I'm going to allow you to have the second to last word on this matter. The last <laughs> word, of course, will be the Supreme Court in June. So don't expect a decision before June. Uh, they'll probably check out this podcast to hear what we had to say about it. But this is going to be one of the bigger decisions the Supreme Court has ruled in decades. And so this is yeah. going to control a lot of And it's a weird little minor rule, right? It, People are worried about abortion and the and that's going to get all the you know the headlines but this is really what's dismantling parts of our government yeah obviously I, i'm a huge opponent of, of abortion but it, to your point mm-hmm. there all overturning roe v wade did was put it back to the states where the vast majority of states are run by you know liberals anyways and so they're going to they're going to keep allowing for a certain level of amount of abortion uh and so i i get that aspect that all all that case did was send it to the states here this case is also going to drastically impact how we, we live our, our daily lives. All right, Chris. Yep. It's now time More for courtroom things. quarterback. By the way, Chris, I know we do these podcasts. Uh, do you ever actually go back and listen to the finished product? Because I sometimes I don't. I'll, I'll skip around and say, oh, how do we sound here? How do we sound there? But I know what we yeah. said because we're, we're doing it in live action. 
But I got to tell you, Sean has some really cool music and video that goes along with this part of the segment. <laughs> check it out. It actually, it just sounded really cool. I know we're not hearing it right now because we're, we're talking, but check it out. It's actually a really cool uh, intro to Courtroom Quarterback. Right. And big up to Sean, man. Doing a great job throwing in all the mix there, making us sound pretty I, good. I, I keep asking you to say, Sean, I want to sound like James Earl Jones. How much do I have to pay you to sound <laughs> like James Earl? I want listeners to say, is that Joel or is that Darth Vader? Luke. I want to know. Yeah. All right. Hey, let's talk a little bit about what happened last week because we have also have a lot of great games coming up this week. Oh my Wild gosh, Card yes, we Weekend. What did we learn from Wild Card Weekend? So, Chris, let me give you my four things, my four takeaways, and I'll get your opinion on them, see if you have any takeaways. Oh, yeah. My first Loved takeaway it. is Stroud. CJ Stroud is a stud. Ooh. Stud. Absolutely. Yeah. By the way, did you know this? Uh, I, I know that... Um, the Texans are playing the Ravens this week. Lamar yep. Jackson, right? Two-time yep. MVP. Amazing, great quarterback, they, they all say. They all tell me. Yeah, Do you yeah, know who yeah. has more playoff wins? Lamar Jackson, two-time MVP, stud for many years, or rookie yep. C.J. Stroud, who's played all of one playoff game? Who C.J. Stroud. Actually, they're tied. C.J. Stroud tied. has one more playoff victories. Tied one and one. That's yeah. it. Lamar, C.J. Stroud, after one playoff game, now has as many playoff wins as Lamar Jackson. One of the things that I love about this season is it has really expanded the discussion about who should be MVP. Yes. And when do you decide that? Right. Because you look back over the MVP discussions over the many years, Dak Prescott's been in that discussion a lot of times. Aaron Rodgers has run the won it. Lamar has won it a bunch of times. Now, I'm not saying that people who won MVP, Tom Brady won MVP a bunch of times, like aren't deserving of it. But now you're having these discussions about well, Christian McCaffrey could be could be MVP. CJ Stroud. Yes. You know, not just offensive rookie of the year, but he's an MVP candidate. I think so. Brock Purdy. Mr. Irrelevant, he could be an MVP candidate because he's, he's leading. So what I've really loved about this season is that we're having this broader discussion about what the most valuable player actually is. And it's not the most valuable quarterback. It, it, yeah, I agree with that. And it's not stats. Don't tell me I mean, stats. stats. I want to know yeah. when did those stats happen and how it do they play into it the factor. actual winning of that game? Right. Don't give me meaningless and stats. You know, you, and you know every person I'm going to point to on this this discussion, right? Because every time I get to do this, and it makes me so happy. I would like to introduce you to one Mr. Dak Prescott. Mr. Prescott, though statistically a Hall of Fame first ballot quarterback, could not win a playoff game if his life was on the line. Could not, could not advance in the playoffs if... The fate of the world was at at risk. Well, you must have seen my nose. That was my second takeaway, that Dallas oh gosh, laid yes. an egg. Can you imagine a bigger egg than what Dallas? Dallas was undefeated this year at home. 8-0. At home? I even mm-hmm. saw some stat about how many games they won the year before at home. I mean, it's, it's an amazing winning streak yeah. at home, and they're playing – a team, Green Bay, who is the youngest team in the NFL. Rookie quarterback. Well, it's his first year starting. Rookie-ish. Sure, yes. Yeah. Well, and he was tutored under Aaron Rodgers. So <laughs> we knew he was going to lose because Aaron Rodgers can't win a playoff game either. He did learn that from Aaron Rodgers. That's for sure. Yeah. He's already won more playoff games than Aaron Rodgers. 
Yeah, that is uh, now. So Dallas surprised people this week when uh, Jerry Jones, their owner, kept Coach McCarthy and said, "You know what? We're going to yeah. run this back. This whatever we did this year." And I get that because McCarthy has been their coach they now for three year. years, and they've had thirty-six wins over those three years. But when you combine those thirty-six regular season wins with three absolutely lackluster playoff duds. Yep. How do you handle that? Yes, we like the the chase. We like the season. I get that, but man, do they underperform in the, the postseason? And and who do? Who, it's hard for me again. I've never been a football head coach. We know this. Where does that get lost in translation? Where where can you have a what did they have eleven and six or twelve and twelve and five season? Whatever they had, they had a really impressive record, right? Obviously, they won home field advantage in the first playoff game. Second how, seed. how does how does that translate into a absolute failure in the playoffs? And is that Dak Prescott or is that the coach? Because I got to think that it's I, I have to put that more on the players. Like, look at look at Mike McDonald, right? With the with the Miami Dolphins. And that's probably something we'll talk about here in a minute. But they they played the Chiefs and they lost. But I don't know if that's a Mike McDaniel failure. I, I think, I I think don't that's know. different. I think the Chiefs, uh, which by the way was my 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 last takeaway, was the Chiefs yeah, yeah, are yeah. still. Sorry, I'm jumping around. The your Chiefs notes. are still the Chiefs, right? I mean, absolutely. They, they absolutely. proved what we have been saying this podcast all year long, which is just hold on, wait. Yes, I know. There's a, these are problems here. These are concerns. Come playoff yeah. time, and I guarantee you, Andy Reid is holding things back. He knows uh, it doesn't matter until the postseason. Yeah. And yeah, the receivers still drop balls, and I know that's going to burn us one of these games, like this upcoming week. We're going to be on the final mm -hmm. drive. Mahomes is going to throw the ball to Tony, who's going to drop the ball. I, drop I get that. Just let Pacheco run. Exactly. Man. Just let him that run. being said, uh, the um, good teams show up, and the good coaching comes up mm -hmm. with good game plans and strategies for the postseason. But your quarter, your players also have to play the game. They're the ones that are on the field. And Mahomes is an absolute winner. Oh, he is beast. a fighter. And it really beast. dawned on me when I watched these other quarterbacks at the end of the games, just throw the ball away. And it's like, the, your season is on mm -hmm. the line. Why do you not scramble? Why are you just throwing the ball away? Make a play. There is no tomorrow. Patrick Mahomes <laughs> will scramble until he finds someone open. He is going to play his lights out. Until yeah. they, they, they close the door on him. So, hey, I like our team. Tell me you're talking about Jalen Hurts without telling me you're talking about <laughs> Jalen Hurts. Like, that's that's all that. These quarter, good quarterbacks know how to scramble and throw the ball away and be able to make plays. And in my head, I'm just replaying that safety over <laughs> and over and over and over in my – I'm just like, how, how, how but, dumb are you? But, you're, but like, but you look at you look at – Dak Prescott, you look at Jalen Hurts, right? Because I'm I'm gonna lump that in. Not that Jalen Hurts is a, the next Dak Prescott, but he had the same the same type of performance in the last five games of the season that Dak Prescott had on this past weekend. You, you, captain, oh captain, my captain, you, leader of my troops, you, battlefield commander, you are failing. The coaches are calling plays, but you are yes. failing. You are not reaching your you're receiving. You are not reaching your intended targets. And I know that's tough to say being a, you know, a courtroom quarterback here, but you did it during the season. You were able to, to, to hit your targets. You were able to run plays. You were able to manage the clock. You were able to, to scout defenses. You were able to make audibles on the fly. 
until it really yes, that is what is bothering me about Dallas is is they just they had a great year against losing teams, but when they were like even yeah. up with the other team or the other team was slightly a little bit right. better, they dude Niners dominated Dallas yes. in the season. They did not. They only beat a Philadelphia team that already was pathetic. Philadelphia team. I mean, they were you know shell of themselves at the at yeah. the end of the year. They did beat Miami, but Miami also had that knack that they couldn't beat oh, they real teams. So you had two losing teams right. play each other. Someone has to not lose that game, I guess. It happened exactly. to be at Dallas, and so yeah, I, but Dallas is bringing it back, and I get it because. They right. had 12 wins each of the last three years, but man, which is great. When you have Bill Belichick there wanting a job, when you have Vrabel wanting a job, when you have oh, Pete yeah. Carroll possibly wanting a job, and you are going to stick with McCarthy, I, I'm not sure I, I understand know. that. I don't. I don't get it. But I mean, I've never understood Jerry Jones to begin with. Yes, he says he wants to win. Just I mean, win, baby. I know that's not his phrase, but you right. get that sentiment that he joins right. Al Davis and that thought of just win, baby. But no, just give me twelve wins so I can fill the seats and dominate the the talk waves. That's really what he wants. Because let's right. face it, he's going to get paid the same no matter what. He just wants people to care about his Dallas Cowboys and attend the games. All right. So in in tinfoil conspiracy hat time, I I fully believe that Jerry Jones is the number one investor in Best Buy. <laughs> Because every time the Cowboys lose, their fans punch out TVs and they have to go buy new there ones. You go. So I'm 100% sure that Jerry's like, give me my 12 wins and my first round loss and I will make a billion dollars. <laughs> that is so true. All right. So that was my takeaways from this last week. And now we're looking forward to the divisional round. And there's a lot of great storylines here. So let me just kind of give you yeah. some of my storylines here. Chiefs versus the Bills. This is. Oh, that's going to be good. Brady v. So Manning. This is an Elway oh, yeah. v. Oh, yeah. Montana. Hannah. I mean, these are two of the mm -hmm. best quarterbacks in their primes facing off mano a mano. And this time is not going to be in the confines of Arrowhead Stadium. It's no. going to be in what many talking heads have incorrectly have said. This is <laughs> Mahomes' first road game in the playoffs. It is not, folks. Don't That just shows you there's a lot of lazy reporting going on. He did have mm -hmm. a in uh, a way, a playoff game. It was the Super Bowl during COVID when we had to play Tampa Bay at Tampa Bay. That is an away whoa, whoa, game. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> the Super Bowl is always an no, no, away no, no, no. game. But they—they they, they, they no, they were the away team. Yeah, they say Super Bowl is always at a neutral site. It, it usually oh. is. Only one time in the history right. was it not at a neutral site. And that was in that Tampa was that Bay. Year. We had to play Tampa Bay yeah, at yeah, yeah. Tampa. And that was the worst year because, you know, everyone was, they, they were, um, we were at the hotel. They got to stay in their houses, got to sleep in their nice, comfortable right, houses. Right, right. Because it was COVID, they gave a lot of tickets out to local, you know, EMT kind of uh, people. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. First responders, Yeah, you had a lot cops, of those getting free tickets. Well, who are they going to be fans of? Tampa Bay. Tom Not, Brady. They didn't give Tom Brady. Fans. Ron Gronkowski. They don't know anybody else who was on Tampa Bay at that exactly. time. They couldn't tell you. They couldn't tell you what Mike Allstott did years before. I, no. I hate that because we lost that game. So if, if that shows you, you the did. Chiefs are not good at, with away games, I don't know. I was I was hoping maybe we would win that game. Say no, we're good on the road. Well, the one road nope. playoff game we have had, we lost that playoff game and did not even fare well mm -hmm. in that game. And so, uh, but hey, but I think I'm more. Well, I mean, I I would love to see. Gosh, I have a lot of I have a lot of lines that I really want to see. I would love to see Patrick Mahomes and CJ Stroud in an AFC championship game. That would be nice. I would love to see um 
Yeah, I mean the NFC right now is just a bunch of sweetheart teams that I'm that I well, let's look at the 49ers versus Packers. That is a this is going to be the right. battle of the young quarterbacks. And so I didn't I didn't do right. the research on this, but I would bet that Jordan Love is older mm-hmm. than um, than Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy, absolutely. So this is only Brock Purdy's second year, right? Yeah, second year, and it's his second trip. But to he's the, the wily veteran in this matchup. <laughs> Figure that one out. Weird. So, yeah, because he has more playoff wins than the Green Bay Packers as an organization. <laughs> <laughs> of the last couple of years, but yes, that's not true. Yeah, that's not. but I also think like, look, I'm I'm not going to be angry if the Packers go all the way this year because it's just going to solidify the fact that Aaron Rodgers is a giant douchebag. That is true. That that the year that he leaves, they go win a Super Bowl. Yes, I'm not going to be angry at that. I'm not going to be angry if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers again go to the Super Bowl with Baker Mayfield. So because it's it's a testament to his. Stick to itiveness. It's a testament to his drive and his. Design. I like what he just pointed I'm not out. Agree the Lions. I like go. what he just pointed out. The Chiefs versus Bills. Brady versus Manning. This uh, this is this generation's mm-hmm. version of that. But at the right. same time, you have 49ers and Packers. The next Brady v Manning part three. When you have Love versus Purdy, this could be yeah, the yeah. next generation of stud quarterbacks yeah. facing off. So this this weekend, you have those two great matchups. I'm really excited about that. You mentioned Detroit versus Tampa Bay. Now, this is a very interesting matchup. I don't even know mm-hmm. who is who should be favored here. You you want to say Detroit because they are the higher seeded mm-hmm. team. They have the great defense. They have the crazy coach. But Tampa Bay is coached by Bowles. Bowles knows how to coach defense. Yeah. And I think they, again, it was Bowles that stifled the Chiefs in that Super Bowl. And he was the defensive coordinator at that time. I, yeah. I think Tampa Bay and, and Baker Mayfield last week, he looked good. He looked fast. He yeah. looked healthy. I know he, he was, if he'd even start the game, I couldn't tell it by watching him. His legs were extremely fast. He just looked good right. last week. I don't know. I think Tampa Bay has a puncher's chance of winning this game. I look right. I got, I got, I got, I got nothing but love for the AFC or for the NFC right now. I, I, I would, you know, diehard Niner. I want Niners to go all the way. I want to ring the whole nine yards. I want to get to that six ring. I really do. But I'm not even like, I'm not even stressed for this weekend. No, it's going to be enjoyable. Like, I'm like, I'm like any NFC team right now. Right. I think all the storylines are great. I think it's a proven, you know, I think the heart of Detroit is there. It's that underdog heart of I want to see you, you know, you know, make it as far as you possibly can because you guys were really I mean, even us, I talked a lot of crap about Detroit early on in this podcast, early on in the season, and I eat every word of it happily because they have they have surprised us all. But I also look at guys on Tampa Bay. I look at Baker Mayfield. I look at you know, I look at love, I look at Brock Purdy and it's like this, this NFC has become relevant again. Yes. Whereas in past years, we've just been a walk, like, how, like the NFC South, right? Tampa Bay having a, almost a losing record went to the Super Bowl in 2020. Great. Like, yes, it's just, it's so romantic. It's so all romantic. Right. So I love really it. quickly here, I know we got to get running here. Let me just run, run off oh, yeah, the, yeah. these four games. I want you to give me the winner. Chiefs v. Bills. Who do you have? Chiefs, all right. Chiefs all day. You're wrong on that one. Uh, it's gonna be the Bills. I know. A Ravens. That's fine. But I, I choose the Chiefs because we're friends. <laughs> I sure hope it's the Chiefs. But I gotta tell you, here's, here's the downside I have. If the Chiefs don't win the Super Bowl, 
I want the Bills to win the Super Bowl. Now, I'm not saying I want the Chiefs to okay. lose, but I'm just saying yeah. at least that's a silver lining. I really like the Bills fan base, and so but yeah, Chiefs yeah. feed Bills. You're taking the Bills, and I, I obviously are you taking the Chiefs? I would take the Chiefs yep. as well. I, I think Brady. Yeah, you got I, it. I say Brady. Um, Mahomes is Brady esque. He knows how to win these games, and so if He's it's gonna come there. down to the last drive, either Mahomes is gonna win it with an incredible drive or our right tackle is going to jump um false start we're going to lose the game that way all right ravens versus the texans lamar jackson versus cj stroud who's winning my heart and all that is in me says there you go but my mind my mind and and everything it says stick with your you stick with your heart your heart's right (laughs) i hope so I don't know if I could be hurt like this. Again. Yes, I, I I would go with the Texans. I think that we, I, we yeah. there will be a sixth straight AFC Championship game being played at Arrowhead Stadium. All right, 49ers okay. versus the Packers. Niners all, all day. Right. Detroit versus Tampa Bay. Detroit. There you go. Go and spend your money wisely. All right. Hey, Chris, <laughs> have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week. See you, Joel. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star review. We need your love to help us continue highlighting the funnier side of the law. I want to give a special shout-out to our Vice President of Operations, Wendy Oster, without whom this entire operation would be a complete and utter mess. Sean Wynn and 15.5 Features for making me sound way better than I actually do. Brooke Bolin for our marketing efforts. And Ryan Kuhn and Paul Kuhn of Tribe. Plus City Marketing for our technical and computer support. Mm-hmm.